and welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. I'm your host, Jesse Nussman. And this week, it's actually just me. Um, You know, there's a lot of things going on out in the movie world. And really just want to do kind of a, a quick short episode to recap some of the biggest news developments of the last week, as well as touch on some recent releases. I think we first have to start with everything that's going on with Will Smith since the Oscars. Um, Obviously, you can go back to last week's episode. Hunter Heilman was on and him and I recapped pretty quickly after probably the the morning after the show. um, Everything that happened in the just like train wreck of an Oscars this year, as well as gave kind of our initial reactions to what happened between Will Smith and Chris Rock in the middle of the show. Um, essentially, you know, we don't have to get too much into the, the nitty gritty cause I'm, I'm sure it has been all anyone has been able to hear about for the last, gosh, man, it's really only been a week, but it feels like it's been years since it happened. Um, I know any conversation I've had this week, whether it's like going out to drinks with friends or like having dinner with family it's it's all anyone's really wanted to talk about is just like what did what did you think of of that moment and what do you think is going to happen to will smith and his career um essentially where we are right now is will smith and his pr team seem kind of in like crisis management mode they're kind of attempting to sort of steer the ship around in terms of the public perception of Smith as well as just the perception of him in Hollywood and to maintain him as this major figure in the entertainment industry. Will Smith obviously has a new movie that is out this year that Apple is releasing called Emancipation that theoretically would be an Oscar contender on paper. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen um there's even been reports of this kind of like stalling some potential projects he had uh around the corner including maybe even a new bad boys movie um but essentially smith has decided to step down from the academy of motion picture arts and sciences and sort of revoke his membership and has issued apologies uh on his instagram page I, this seems like a very sort of savvy move to kind of get out in front of any potential repercussions. I still think those repercussions are probably going to come. I feel like the Academy is going to want to issue some sort of punishment themselves um, to kind of clear the air of what Smith stepping out of the Academy means versus what it doesn't mean. What it does mean is he's not going to be able to vote in future Oscars. It also means he won't get some of the perks of being an Academy member, like getting to go to certain exclusive screenings and events. What it doesn't mean, though, is that he can't be nominated or that he can't even show up. It's totally possible that he could get a a nomination and that he could be invited back to next year's Oscars. I I highly doubt that's going to happen but there there seems to be no real rule in place that like he would be banned from doing that now that that doesn't necessarily mean the academy could now come in and will probably issue some sort of rule or declaration to sort of say that like will smith is you know uh 
not eligible to be nominated um in like the next two or three years or something like that i they haven't issued anything definitive yet but i would assume just to sort of cover the bases on their part they're going to want to have some sort of uh reaction to this beyond kind of the reports that have been coming out which have been really sort of scattered and all over the place and seem kind of like people pointing fingers at each other in terms of like who should have done what backstage after Smith slapped rock on, on live television. So a lot of the sort of repercussions of this are still kind of fanning out and it's, it's feasible that like there's going to be weeks more of development in this story, but this is still probably one of the, the the biggest, if not the biggest story in the entertainment industry right now is just what is, is how is Will Smith and his PR team attempting to kind of uh, clean up a, a bit of the mess and sort of um, get public perception back on his side and sort of preserve this uh, esteemed movie star career that, that he has and from the Academy's perspective of just how are they going to respond to this and whether or not they're going to issue any more uh, or really any, cause they, they haven't quite at this point issue any kind of repercussions um, or punishments first to Smith for what he did. So a, a lot of still unknown, but I would say clearly the biggest development thus far is Will Smith and his team kind of getting ahead of any potential, uh, action by the academy and just choosing to step out of that organization um we i'm sure we will keep following it on this show and any future developments that happen there um the other kind of big news that happened last week after our oscars episode drop involved bruce willis this is kind of some sad news um bruce willis's family i was i believe it's his daughter specifically um announced that he is retiring from acting due to some cognitive uh, illness and that is uh, essentially affecting uh, his memory um, and it's just a really sad story I mean Bruce Willis a signature movie star of the 1990s and into kind of the, the early 2000s um, you know I think more recently he's primarily just been acting in kind of the the vod action movie uh area of the industry and i think there was something of like he's been in like 20 some movies in the last four years some insane number um there's a really great piece in the la times uh that sort of interviews a lot of the the people who are working on these movies with him recently and kind of detailing a lot of what they noticed in more recent years in terms of his behavior and sensing that there was maybe something up and that he, you know, maybe wasn't totally there health wise. Um, but it's really sad story for those who are in his family and who work with him. Um, but just, I, I can kind of remember, I mean, it, it's, it's wild that there was that brief period of time, I think in like 2012 when he was in both, looper and moonrise kingdom in the same year and everyone was kind of like oh yeah bruce willis like he can be really good in movies um and that year was kind of like a brief comeback for him that 
didn't didn't really carry through and the kind of like i said sort of shortly after that he kind of moves into more of this vod market and i i don't want to speculate too much i mean there could be an aspect of that that was just it was less demanding for him as maybe his health started to dwindle or you know maybe just wanted to get (laughs) get paid and that's an easier paycheck to do can't totally blame someone for that but um in any case it it is sort of sad to see uh such a major figure kind of uh step away and knowing that this is in some ways i mean he's he's still with us but kind of the the end of bruce willis as as a movie star and this past week a lot of people sharing their favorite bruce willis performances um i kind of made a a top five of myself that i can go through really quick Let's see uh okay no, number five the last boy scout which is kind of one of those like quintessential like 80s 90s big studio sort of coked out action movies um directed by tony scott written by shane black uh kind of them at sort of like the height of their sort of creative force as well as producer joel silver um yeah this is i mean willis basically plays a a private detective It, it, it is a shane black like buddy action movie with Bruce Willis as a uh, private detective and Damon Wayans as an uh, injured NFL quarterback who is is maybe at the the end of his pro athlete career and them uncovering this like massive conspiracy involving the NFL um, a, like really ridiculous but also like has that great kind of snappy Shane Black dialogue and is just like the sleek sexy style of tony scott um and willis is really good in it i mean just as this like alcoholic hangdog detective with a cigarette just barely hanging out of his mouth and this both looks like a bum but also has kind of that tough guy energy to him um number four die hard it's it's like this is the quintessential bruce willis performance um i don't know that i can really say anything i mean what more can you say about die hard i in in talking about bruce willis as a performer it's probably worth bringing up die hard in how unique it was when it came out there there's this funny bit in the office where um steve carell it actually does some version of this this take that i'm about to give which i don't even know is, is like that unique of a take i mean there's people have been saying this for years but um there in this episode of the office michael scott is railing about how much he dislikes kind of the the most recent diehard movie that comes out because they basically made john mcclain like a superhero at this point and that the appeal of the original diehard was just like it, it he's just a normal guy and it is unique to go back and and look at just how different bruce willis was as an action star from who was sort of popular at at that time i mean at at that time your two biggest action stars were probably sylvester stallone and arnold schwarzenegger these like impossibly ripped oiled up men (laughs) and bruce willis kind of just looks like your friend's dad or like 
a football coach at your high school. Like he just sort of looks like this everyday blue collar guy. And as part of the appeal of that movie and what makes that movie so um, electric and engaging to watch is it is what would happen if just like an average blue collar guy found himself in the middle of this like terrorist hostage situation was basically the last line of defense um as, as that series has gone on and they've you know made the john mcclain character more of a like superhero figure who can like hot wire jets and like survive any kind of brutal uh beating or like building crumbling on top of him but yeah it is just interesting going back and and watching the first die hard of how and and thinking about like bruce willis at that time was not a movie star he's probably most known as just the guy from moonlighting the the show with sybil shepherd but this movie kind of makes him one of the the like i said the biggest movie stars of the 1990s particularly like one of the biggest action movie stars and partially because it was just so unique for its time um okay number three uh six cents I think M. Night Shyamalan gets really interesting performances out of Willis. We'll put a pin in that for later. But this movie, I think, gets to show a much more tender side to Bruce Willis. Um, particularly, you know, the scenes between him and Haley Joel Osment in the movie are just very sweet and, very, like I said, just very tender. And I, I feel like the perception of Bruce Willis is as this, like, very macho, tough guy. But he did have these 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 few performances kind of sprinkled in there where he could be funny or he could be very like soft and sweet. Um, another like great example of that is Moonrise Kingdom that I mentioned earlier, the Wes Anderson movie. But yeah, I just think I the last time I watched Sixth Sense was just kind of blown away, and it it's always been the the facet of Bruce Willis that I was um, more drawn to. I think growing up is this more kind of quieter sweet side to him particularly in this movie and seeing it as a kid um all right number two i would say is 12 monkeys this is the terry gilliam movie from the mid 90s i believe um if you've never seen it essentially one of the great time travel movies kind of funny that bruce willis has been in i would say two really good time travel movies because i mentioned it was also in looper the the ryan johnson movie um but 12 monkeys basically set in a post-apocalyptic future maybe you know fairly not too far off from the one we've been living where you know there is a a pandemic that has wiped out most of humanity and bruce willis is a convict who is given a reduced sentence to be part of this experimental program where he will be sent back in time to our present day in order to try and stop this virus from breaking out or at least help them determine the source of it. And they believe it is associated somewhat with this like extremist animal rights organization that's led by Brad Pitt. This is a very, very weird movie if you've never seen it, but it's, it's Terry Gilliam. So it's, it's visually pretty astounding and I think has maybe the most, complex role bruce willis has ever played i mean he gets to be a little bit of an action hero but also gets to be a little shell-shocked and way more emotionally vulnerable than i feel like you've seen him in any movie um i don't really know what the perception of this movie is now i mean terry gilliam like 
he, he made like his Don Quixote movie finally, but Terry Gilliam hasn't really like made movies recently. Um, but if, if you haven't seen 12 monkeys, well worth renting out, like I said, one of the great time travel movies and just like a weird oddity of the mid nineties. Um, okay. Number one, favorite Bruce Willis performance tying back into the M night Shyamalan conversation. I would say it's unbreakable, kind of without question, unbreakable. Um, this is obviously M night Shyamalan's take on the, the superhero genre that was kind of shrugged off a little bit when it first came out in 2000, though it now has been kind of reclaimed as one of his best movies. Um, Bruce Willis basically plays a, an average everyday guy who survives a train accident and begins to learn that he may um, have super strength or that he may be sort of in, invincible in a certain way. And it, it, it you, know, you know, I think the greatest pitch for this movie that I ever heard was, um, from Quentin Tarantino, who basically said it's 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 what if Superman walked among us but didn't know he was Superman, and Bruce Willis playing a a kind of blue collar family man who begins to sort of wrestle with the idea that he might he might be a a, a superhero essentially, and what does that mean, and does he have a responsibility? Um, interesting movie. I don't I don't know that it's a great movie. I've never been one of the people who thinks that this is like a lost masterpiece of the 2000s, but I I 1000% um will hop on that this is probably the best piece of acting Bruce Willis has ever given and easily like the most subtle and nuanced performance um he's ever given. Uh so that's that's kind of my Bruce Willis wrap up list, but um as I said earlier, kind of sad news to hear that um his health is really deteriorating and um you know it's it's been a it's been a long career all right uh now to kind of wrap us up a bit going to talk about some new releases um i'm going to be real with, with you guys i i did not see morbius <laughs> recording this on a sunday night um it looks like the the, the box office is like fine for this um it, here's here's the reason i didn't see morbius okay Got got an invite to to the press screening, and noticed it was in the middle of the day, at a time where I I I couldn't step away from my my other job to see it, and it was like the day before the movie was coming out in theaters, and so that kind of I, you know, if it was something really really pressing, I I you know might have worked some things around to to try and go see it but i that just kind of get flagged to me that you know when a studio does that especially for their press screenings um that's usually kind of an indicator that they sort of know the movie's bad and are kind of like waiting till the last possible minute to show it to people sometimes they don't even do that um but then kind of had uh you know at least some of those assumptions a bit uh confirmed when um a lot of the reactions started coming out for it seems like the movie's really bad i'm i'm sure i will see it eventually i'm in no rush to see it um i know longtime listeners of the show will know i'm not the biggest jared leto person i've been a little bit baffled by this movie that really seems like sony's kind of scraping the barrel to like pull anything out from the the sort of spider-man corner of the, the mcu that they still have the rights to and kind of spin that into a franchise of itself um also doesn't really seem like audiences are really um hopping onto this 
based off of like some of the reactions I've seen from like cinema score and like letterbox. I, it, it, it seems like this movie's quite bad, but so I, I, I don't have a take. Won't go any further on it. I'm sure if I see it, eventually we'll talk about it on this show. Um, some other stuff that's out there new to Netflix this week that, that I, if you didn't know, there's basically a new Richard Linklater and a new Judd Apatow movie that just sort of dropped on Netflix this past weekend. Um, I hate to say the Judd Apatow movie is, is very, very, very bad. It's, it's called the bubble. Um, it basically follows a team of actors at shooting a kind of big franchise blockbuster during the middle of uh, COVID and it stars pretty big cast. I mean, Karen Gillan, Leslie Mann, uh, Dylan Duchovny, Pedro Pascal, uh, Keegan, Michael key. I, it's, it's so weird to think that like, I mean, Judd, Judd Apatow, probably one of the most like central figures in American comedy for like the last couple decades. And I think has made some like pretty good movies himself. I mean, I mean, I think his real sort of legendary status is, is as a producer, but I mean, this is the same guy who made 40 year old virgin and made knocked up, you know, has, has done some really good comedies before. This is easily the, the, the worst movie he's, he's ever made. Um, we we joke about a lot on this show about COVID movies and this sort of emerging genre of movies that were either shot during the pandemic or want to sort of hastily kind of comment on what we've all gone through in the last couple of years. I would say this is a pretty um, ineffective attempt to not just sort of satirize the the whole pandemic experience we all just went through and still are kind of going through to to a minor extent it seems but also kind of tied into this larger hollywood satire um that's you know it that the closest cousin to this i i feel like is something like tropic thunder the the ben stiller movie which is a, a way more effective version of kind of like poking fun at the vanity of movie stars and the sort of and the capitalism at the center of the movie production complex while also like spanning it out into this really absurd high concept uh premise but man this this thing really did did not work um the relinklater movie uh which is called apollo 10 and a half a space age childhood um i think it's okay it it's you know linklater is a director who i i am always fascinated to see what he he has up his sleeve even if the result always isn't amazing i mean he's 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 done amazing movies he's i mean if you do dazed and confused the before trilogy boyhood i mean i mean you you earn sort of a a get out of jail free card to like i i will give any movie you make a chance um th- this is probably mid-tier by him it's it's an animated movie it's using the same sort of uh style of of animation that the sort of like drawn over live action style that he did in waking life and a scanner darkly uh this time to do a a 
kind of a memory piece that I, I would assume is greatly based off his experience growing up in Texas in the late 60s as the space race is going on and leaning leading up to the moon landing the movie has jack black doing narration to to kind of guide the viewer through these these scenes of kids on bikes uh exploring around and going to arcades and it's it's got all the like linklater isms that that you would expect of uh him doing these movies that sort of look back at at the past and sort of capture the what we would think of as sort of the mundanity of life in these kind of uh magical wondrous moments um as well as you know this being a movie that has some like kind of fantasy dream aspects of it of kind of the main kid getting hired by nasa to do a kind of secret mission because they've built the the lunar module a size too small um i i i i I, I don't think it's terrible. It's weird to think that after watching it, this kind of seems like a movie hipster parents would show their kids to be like, yeah, here's your here's your first Richard Linklater movie. And, and then as you get older, I'll show you, you know, I'll show you slacker. So the last movie I want to talk about is Everything Everywhere All at Once. This is a new movie from Daniel Shire and Daniel Kwan, best known as the duo Daniels. Uh, they've done a lot of great music videos, um, namely the kind of uh, famous Turn Down for What music video, which if you haven't watched one of the more uh, enjoyable, I don't know, three minutes you're going to have <laughs> this week. Um, they've done a couple movies, um, namely Swiss Army Man, the kind of like mashup of like, what if you did Castaway and Weekend at Bernie's that had uh, Daniel Radcliffe and Paul Dano in it. I, I remember th- not being a particularly a, a big fan of, of that film. Um, I, I really like a lot of the music videos they've done. Uh, this new movie they've done though is exceptional. It's really good. I'm really excited for people to see it. Um, it, Gosh, how do I even explain it? <laughs> it stars Michelle Yeoh as a uh, Chinese uh, immigrant here in the United States who runs a laundromat. She's having marital issues with her husband that's up to the brink of divorce. She's struggling to connect with her daughter, and the IRS is breathing down her neck. And to make matters even more complicated beings from other dimensions contact her and say that they need her to help them save the infinite multiverse which are at threat of a kind of villainous being who i won't say too much more about this this is kind of a movie that i really don't want to spoil a lot of what happens but i think is such a unique tightrope in terms of tone and style it is able to be both sort of like cartoonishly funny and absurd while also this kung fu action movie this existential sci-fi story and this very tender sweet family drama and to balance all of those and have it one not overpower the other is a really delicate act and i think daniel's the you know the just the what this duo calls themselves um, I think they do it really beautifully and masterfully. Um, this is an insanely fun movie. I hope we get to talk about it more on the show. Um, just that rare experience where you walk out of a movie and you feel like you've seen something that's so fresh and alive and exciting and has this 
fun sense of the possibilities of filmmaking and storytelling. And as much as it is this kind of like complicated cosmic <laughs> story, I I wonder if in some ways because of all the multiverse stuff that now like the Marvel movies are are bringing into like something like this that on paper would seem so uncommercial is actually maybe a little bit more commercial. And I think as much as it is, is like an extremely weird, very goofy movie, I I think it's genuinely a movie that the audiences will really enjoy and really connect to. So that about wraps us up for this week. Like I said, uh, hopefully we'll get to discuss everything everywhere all at once a lot more. Um, would love to have a guest on to talk about it in the future because there's so much to dissect and unpack in the movie. Uh, maybe we can get Daniel Feingold back because he was at the uh, press screening with me and uh, I think like like me, really loved it and shed, shed a tear or two at the end of it. But um, just a preview of kind of what's coming up in the next coming weeks. Next week, we are going to be doing an episode on the show about the infamous Michael Bay. Yes, Michael Bay has a new movie out titled Ambulance. <laughs> uh, M- Michael Bay, probably one of the, the more interesting figures, I think, for us to talk about on the show because he is uh, I, 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 someone who is is quite loathed i feel like in the the kind of critical community though maybe someone who deserves a, a fair amount of uh kind of in-depth criticism and and in-depth conversation about him and we should be thinking about as a a true auteur uh in the sense of our our great filmmakers even if his movies can be uh bombastic and and at times uh and quite trashy even and oh did did anyone realize there was a new harry potter movie coming out i i i'm sure considering um a lot of the the kind of retrospective stuff that's been going around uh especially last year hbo max had that like big reunion special with the harry potter cast i'm sure we will be doing some sort of big harry potter potterverse episode um maybe a chance to revisit those movies and the legacy of that series as we get is this now like the third man there's a third prequel for this movie that is for this series that is coming out in like two weeks um that it feels like no one is looking forward to at all but maybe i live in a bubble and i'm wrong um so stay tuned on the latest as those will be coming up in the coming weeks